Today on Reparations in Action. Entire states like California, where I'm at right now, uh, were were drafted up, you know, uh, uh, in their state constitutions to, to completely exclude uh, any migration of African people uh, over here. You know, they didn't want to compete with anybody for the theft of indigenous resources. You're listening to Reparations in Action. Uhuru. You're listening to the Reparations in Action podcast and FM radio show, The White Lies Shattered series. My name is Jamie Simpson. White Lies Shattered is a program of reparations in action, exposing the insidious lies that we tell ourselves as white or European people about the nature and origin of America and the current social system. We believe reparations to African people is the key question of our times and is one that demands action on the part of European or white people. As always, we'd like to salute Black Power 96, where this show is aired and recorded for our podcast weekly. Today, we are discussing the U.S. Civil War through the point of view of the enslaved African working class, and we are very honored to have with us today Dr. Matsumela Odom, a visiting assistant professor of Africana Studies at the University of San Diego. And also joining us today is Penny Hess, chair of the African People's Solidarity Committee and author of the book, Overturning the Culture of Violence. So I want to say uhuru and welcome to Dr. Matsumela Odom and chairwoman Penny Hess. Uhuru, Jamie. Uhuru. Thank you so much. And it's really an honor to welcome you, Dr. Matsumela Odom, today. I'm so glad you're able to be with us. Uhuru. uhuru. Uh, Thanks for having me. I love uh, the show, and I'm always uh, happy to be a guest. Great. Great. Well, this is going to be a very, very, very important um, and educational conversation. And I think that, you know, this imperialist mythology around the Civil War is so deep, and we're happy to take the covers off of these lies, and you have so much information about this. And we know that enslaved African people were not freed, quote-unquote, by a benign northern U.S. army. And as W.E.B. Du Bois in his book Black Reconstruction in America and other books have shown that at the outset of the Civil War, there was complete unity of the North and the South, that the property of the Southern ruling class was to be spared, meaning, of course, that the property, first and foremost, was African people themselves. So before we talk about the true motivations of the Civil War and the fact that Abraham Lincoln was no great liberator um, let, let's, I was just wondering, Dr. Matsumela, if you could talk a little bit about W.E.B. Du Bois, because we're going to be using his book today. And um, as an African internationalist and member of the African People's Socialist Party, tell us a little bit about how you would sum up Du Bois and why we will be using his book today. Oh, oh, oh. yeah, I think as probably the foremost African intellectual of the 20th century, a person whose works are still readily used. He 
lived to be almost 100 years old. The work of W.B. Du Bois is inescapable um, uh, in that sense. You know, they, they span from the late 1800s to the 1960s. You know, he died something like August 27th. 1963, on the eve of the March on Washington in Ghana. But, you know, uh, Mark, uh, but W.B. Du Bois also represented uh, the African petty bourgeoisie, the, the, the black middle class, uh, aspirations of the black middle class. You know, he had a book, the, the foremost book that most people teach of his came out in the early 1900s. It was called Souls of Black Folk. And in it, he says things like, you know, black folks in the U.S. are neither African nor American, but they're also African and American. You know, there's some sort of two-ness that bounds us to the U.S. and all this other stuff that really is central to what some people call uh, Du Boisian thought. It's around that time that he created the idea of the talented 10th in which he says that, you know, every race is saved by their exceptional men and the African race or the Negro race, whatever he would have said, um, is, is no different. Uh, so, so he really was a part of a political project of elevating the, uh, uh, uh African middle-class, uh, leadership, or misleadership uh, in in the African uh, community. You know, he's the founder of the NAACP, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, uh, in which he even did things like, you know, left off uh, Ida B. Wells as a founder. He didn't recognize Ida B. Wells. Ida B. Wells believed uh, she was dark-skinned. She, she was far more militant. She believed in the right to Africans to defend themselves against the lynchings. Meanwhile, the Du Bois and those guys had, you know, they, they had silent marches, the sort of early 20th century version of hands up, don't shoot, please, uh, um, uh, to, uh, to, to the lynchings of African people. So, so, so he, so he has these very clear class uh, contradictions. I mean, all these different secret societies and stuff like that. He's the founder of all those. The NAACP, uh, was um, gave the political backing and much of the the support to the founding of the Pan African Congress, uh, of of which he used to uh, attack Garvey in multiple ways, multiple ways. You know, even invoking very uh, white nationalist slurs. So 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 Gar so so he has these contradictions, but at the same time, uh, he has some some be- some very profound works. Uh, one of which, as I was saying before, in the early uh, 20th century, he wrote an essay called The Color Line Belts the World, in which he uh, un- underscores the problem of Jim Crow as a part of a, a national a colonial uh, uh, a crisis. Um, he talks about uh, the colonialism in World War One, but today we're going to talk about two of his most profound books. Uh, well, one of his most profound books, which is Black Reconstruction in America, but he also has another one called Africa in the World. So both of these books are very important. I also think that it's significant to the fact that the people who basically call themselves Du Boisians don't reference this book either. The book had 
largely been discarded by the exact same uh, colonial superstructure, the U.S. uh, 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 and international uh, uh, higher education system that loves the boys and they love the souls of black folks uh, for the longest time. They've either tried to um, ignore the book Black Reconstruction or also uh, revise it, sort of make it work for whatever liberal or white left uh, agenda that they've tried to make it work for as opposed so 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 yeah so so the the black reconstruction really stands out amongst the rest of his work and even um his own uh, political uh, interests um uh, mm-hmm. generally you know yeah well thank you that that's very helpful and and just and i i do think that there are some very important points um, that really almost nobody else makes, you know, in the book, Black Reconstruction in America. And I was wondering to start with, could you describe what Du Bois calls the general strike of African workers, enslaved African workers during and just before really the Civil War? And how did that play a role in the outcome of the Civil War in the U.S.? Well, to be uh, blunt and just straightforward, uh, his general strike thesis is the most important uh, part of the book and and uh, the most profound uh, intervention into uh, the study, uh, the professional study, at least of of African history in the U.S. in the nineteen uh, in the early twentieth century, really until. I would say the African Revolution of the 1960s, in which the African working class began to write its own history. Uh, the um, uh, I would say the, the this is very important, and and the uh, basic thesis of it is that uh, Africans freed themselves uh, from mm-hmm. slavery. Uh, we know that through the teachings of Chairman Omali Ashitella, that uh, African people were the uh, primitive accumulation uh, through which uh, uh, um, produced uh, uh, colonial capitalism, and it also you know, pr- pr- uh, 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 produced the livelihoods of the white working class. African people were absolutely clear of their position as primitive accumulation, and it showed itself in all different aspects of uh, uh, slave life, um, in, in the in in the writings, you have people like like Linda Brent, uh, who wrote um, uh, "Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl," mm-hmm. who, who who clearly uh, underscored the fact that in their writings that Africans did all the uh, all the work, uh, whites benefited from it, uh, and 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 so to be free uh, as African people. Uh, wasn't simply just to struggle for the means of production. It was to construct. It was to struggle for a control over their own life, their own ability to produce life and labor uh, for themselves as African people. So, with this general strike thesis uh, uh, that Du Bois put forth, it it it, it lets us understand that um, uh, uh, on the eve of the war. First off, I would even add to that that Africans in multiple ways uh, instigated 
uh, uh, and um, a hasten uh, the 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 crisis of imperialism uh, that had produced uh, the um, uh, uh, the 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 U.S. Civil War. You know, uh, and not just Africans in the U.S. You got to start with the, uh, uh, the the African Workers Revolution of Haiti, which mm-hmm. uh, set off a whole series of 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 events all throughout the Western Hemisphere and the Caribbean and stuff like that, and then it leads to the um, general strike in which. Uh, in which um, now now economically it's important to understand that when you look at the the valuation of enslaved African people, there were four million enslaved African people in the U.S. at at, at in eighteen sixty. Uh, if you even do a lowball estimate of those enslaved African people being uh, about five hundred dollars of eighteen fifty money. Uh, I mean, 1860 money, then you're talking about $2 billion. Uh, that's mm-hmm. anywhere between $2 trillion and $200 trillion uh, in, in 2021. There's not a single uh, investment in the U.S. Uh, at that time, U.S. economy, that was more valuable uh, than the lives of African people. And what happened is uh, Africans uh, in mass, you know, they stopped working. They 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 fled uh, 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 the plantations, and they um, uh, demanded, um, uh, 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 you know, a, a change in uh, uh, labor relations and uh, relations of production and things like that. So 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 yeah. So so that's what um, you know uh, the general strike. Uh, is and and what it refers to. Yes, thank you so much for that. And I think that is a really profound um, analysis that it it puts enslaved African workers, men and women, into you know controlling their own destiny. That they were the ones that that made this happen. And I I think that it, it's absolutely clear. And what about the role you mentioned, the liberation of African people in Haiti in 1804. What about the uh, up, incredible uprisings and resistance, such as Nat Turner and Louisiana rebellions? And what role did that play in this general strike? And right, right. No, you are, you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. So there was uh, uh, Haiti in uh, 1804, and I forget when it was i think it was even during the the, the middle of the of the rebellion um, but nevertheless uh, or the, the the african workers revolt in in haiti that uh, you had already begun to see uh, uh, uh stories and images of what was taking place over in uh, haiti uh, circulating uh, throughout the caribbean uh circulating in north america uh, you, you know, it's it's very likely that Gabriel Prosser, uh, who uh, uh, whose rebellion took place, I want to say 1801 or something like that, was 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 um, was informed about what was happening. We have to sort of remember that um, uh, one historian talks about uh, the circuits of communication uh, and uh, uh, that had taken place in the Atlantic. One way. 
you know, with airplanes, we generally think about Haiti as, you know, on the outskirts, but with she, with sea travel, Haiti is actually smack dab in the mental, in the middle of the Western hemisphere. You know, it's the first, it's, it's the first place that the colonizers, Columbus and them, a hit. It's the first place that uh, most people hit uh, 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 when they're following the currents and things like that. So, so you have people like Denmark Vesey, who was enslaved to a ship captain. He was a rope maker. He had uh, been to Haiti. Uh, like I said, once again, you had missionaries. You had other people who had either been to Haiti, who, who had had stories about what's happening in Haiti. And then you also had uh, uh, slave owners uh, fleeing uh, Haiti uh, with their uh, uh, human cargo with 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 enslaved African people and bringing them up, and that leads to the uh, Deslans rebellion right on the outskirts of 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 New Orleans uh, in the in the early 1800s, and 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 like we talked about the Nat Turner rebellion and things like that. But I, I think that generally. Uh, it it raises it, it it moves even the African liberation struggle in the U.S. away from a much more idealist position that had been um, uh, governed by you know evangelical thought by some people, not all the people, clearly not the uh, not the people you know African workers in the Deep South. The other thing I I would say is that you know there were hundreds if not thousands of rebellions, plots, conspiracies, things like that. Uh but the but the colonial media at that time they just didn't report on it, right? Uh uh the, uh, the a lot of these things such as the Deslans uh, revolt has only really been fully um unearthed in the in the past few decades because so much of it had had been uh, suppressed uh, uh, and things like that, but 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 nevertheless, yeah, uh, Haiti uh, played a profound role in uh, setting uh, uh, forth the um, idea of freedom. I mean, even I think if I'm correct, that even when Nat Turner uh, had uh, was it Nat Turner? It might be Denmark Vesey. Uh, when they had drawn up their plans on, yeah, Denmark Vesey, when they drawn up their plans on who they were going to let live and things like that, um, you know, there was this misguided belief that, you know, that they, they knew that France had abolished slavery or something like that. So they were going to let the French guy live or something like that. But uh, in, Cuba, in, in Cuba, there was a plot to uh, overthrow slavery. And um, simply owning uh, newspaper clippings of the uh, Haitian Revolution uh, uh, got uh, these people put to death in Cuba. So simply uh, knowing about it um, uh, allowed for for uh, you know could 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 get somebody uh, put to death. So 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 so. Uh, and then we can also talk about the way through which um, you know the, the anti-slavery revolts that happened all throughout the Caribbean, including Jamaica, uh, were, were directly influenced. I think the stuff that took place in Jamaica, led by uh, Samuel Sharp, and then later on people like Paul Bogle, are absolutely important because those things influenced Marcus Garvey later on. But uh, those pe- those people are from uh, you know English-speaking colonies through which there's Protestant missionaries and stuff circulating. Uh, many of these people, African missionaries and things like that circulating, and that allows for some of the news and things like that to circulate. But but what I would say is Haiti, once again, is absolutely important because 
you know, it's very clear that, um, you know, Africans are going to have to, Africans, to be free, Africans are going to free themselves with their own hands, right? You know, there's even this passage in the Bible, Isaiah 63, I think it, it is. This is the passage that uh, Bob Marley uses for the song um, uh, Babylon System, in which uh, the passage says that, you know, nobody, I was enslaved basically in this, in, in, in Babylon and, and nobody was there. Uh, uh, nobody from that nation freed me. So he says something to the extent that by the grace of God, I free myself with my own hands. So it seems very clear uh, that, and, and when, when people are talking about Haiti, um, uh, you know, it's, it's very clear that that's how Haiti's uh, important. Another person I think we can hold up is 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 David Walker. David Walker's uh, uh, appeal uh, to the color citizens citizens of the world. You know, David Walker's appeal really is 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 a treatise, a manifesto of sorts for um, uh, African uh, rebellion. He says that you know you know it's 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 no more wrong uh, for um, uh, uh, an enslaved African to uh, kill their slave master as it is to have a drink of water on a hot day. So, uh, and, and they poisoned him. Well, what was the general sentiment of white people in the North at the outset, and probably even during most of the Civil War, um, to African people and to the possibility of the ending of chattel slavery? What was the sentiment, including of white workers who were being drafted into the Union Army? I mean, as you know, uh, at, at, at no point were white workers. Uh, as, a, a, as a social force in, in uh, solidarity, with the liberation of African people, right? Uh, even if we talk about even even if we talk about certain people who were, uh, you know, stood out, uh, you know, they all they even stood out maybe because of their criticism of the general sentiment of white workers at that time. The person who's uh, considered by some the father of black nationalism, Martin Delaney. Uh, was also a part of some anti-slavery societies. And even in the anti-slavery societies, uh, or especially in the anti-slavery societies, some might even suggest, uh, there was a, a, a general, there was a, um, uh, a general opposition towards uh, African independence, African leadership, African self-determination. Uh, you know, Martin Delaney uh, says that, you know, within the anti-slavery societies, paraphrasing his quote, Africans uh, find themselves in the exact same position uh, that they find themselves uh, in the rest of society, and that is uh, at the bottom. So Martin Delaney clearly outlining the colonial contradiction, the ideological imperialism of the uh, liberal anti-slavery uh, uh, community, but then when you talk about the white workers, you know, you, um, you know, you talk about 
the, the, the sheer violence. But one of the things that I also noticed that in 1866, there was something called the Memphis riot, right? The Memphis riot of 1866. And if you look at it, one of the top uh, crimes that took place during the Memphis riot was the sexual assault, the rape of African women by working class white men because of the fact that um, as a part of them understanding really that pedestal, uh, the way to which uh, the enslavement of African people and centering the special oppression of African women was that, you know, uh, the refusal of any right to refuse sexual assault. Uh, uh, um, uh, from sexual advances from white men. Also, there's only one instance uh, in the historical records of of, of a white person uh, being legally punished for killing an enslaved African person, and that was because the white person uh, didn't own the slave, and he killed the slave. Of a, of, so it was a property crime. So, so, so what happens was that was that uh, even in the 1866. Uh, Memphis riot, you had white men who were just so angry that they, that, uh, that African women had, had, had the barest sense of civil rights in terms of their own sexual, uh, uh, um, you know, freedom or whatever that, that, that what these people did is they, they, they raided the African community, uh, and, uh, sexually assaulted uh, African women in mass. Now, now, if we take a step back and go back to, I know uh, we could probably talk even more, for example, about the uh, draft riots uh, that took place. Uh, um, uh, and, you know, the draft riots were uh, white working class people, uh, namely uh, Irish and others were being uh, drafted into the Civil War. And they made it very clear that uh, you know, they, they, they had no interest in fighting for uh, the freedom of black people. Now, uh, I think that you had contending versions of that. You had, so for example, you had the the white industrialists uh, who had wanted, uh, you know, to, 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 to use Africans as a sort of industrial labor base uh, to prop up their society. You had um, uh, people called free soilers, uh, uh, who were, who were against slavery, but they were only against slavery, but they were only against slavery because they felt that it sort of, um, uh, uh stepped on the rights of, 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 of non-slave holding white people, uh, and entire states like California, where I'm at right now, uh, were, were drafted up, you know, uh, uh, in their state constitutions to, to completely exclude uh, any migration of African people uh, over here. You know, they didn't want to compete with anybody for the theft of indigenous resources. Right. That's also profound. Well, I wanted to ask you too, Dr. Montanella, about the, um, the whole, at first, Africans were not able to fight in the army. Isn't that correct? Or, or is that? I was thinking that it was that Africans at first were not allowed to fight in the Union Army, but then constituted a really critical force that highly possible that, that the, um, the North would not have won the war without Africans. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely correct. It, even when you follow the generals, the generals themselves were saying Africans are the reason why the war was won. 
uh, and things like that. The first significant uh, battle won by the Union Army is in late 1862 um, and stuff like that. Um, uh, so, so that's the first significant uh, battle that they won. You know, they were getting uh, 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 their butts handed to them. Now, mm-hmm. now they're getting their butts handed to them for a variety of different reasons, and I think that this also underscores why they begin to let Africans uh, be a part of the the Union forces from their intention. Uh, you know, in the South, you know, you had the the Southerners. The, the most of the war was fought in the South. Almost all of it was fought in the South, and and the Southerners were using enslaved African labor uh, to do all of the heavy lifting and so much of the you know the ditch digging and, and you know the trenches and you know all this other stuff you know so so uh, there's a strategic thing a white nationalist uh, strategy basically to uh, uh, exploit African labor in the same way uh, so that it can ensure sort of uh, a union victory but then we also have 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 the uh, the other side of it was that um, you know Africans, uh, uh, became combatants. Now, now you're absolutely you're absolutely correct. Africans were barred from being combatants, but there were a couple places in which Africans were already uh, taking up arms. Uh, and um, you know, I think over in Kansas or Missouri, there were some volunteer units. Over in South Carolina, uh, there were some people. Uh, they had passed this thing called the the first and second. Confiscation Act or something like that. No, a Contraband Act or something like that, where where, where basically uh, suggested that uh, you know any uh, property, uh, the property owned by any um, uh, people in rebellion against the Union could be seized, and then that was extended to and used for the war effort. And that was so. So the very first uh, Africans uh, uh, to 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 be uh, in the Union Army at that time was was those was was the uh people in like South Carolina and things like that. This is even a year or so before they had the um the the fifty fourth Massachusetts. But but you know everybody talks about fifty fourth Massachusetts, but I think what what that film Glory does show correctly is the fact that for the longest they didn't have uniforms. Uh, uh, they they weren't paid the same as whites, but I do think that that's the most profound part of that whole movie is when they all decide to um to 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 to, to tear up their checks and say, look, uh, you know, you know, we, we refuse, you know, uh, this, you know, and also we're not fighting this war for y'all. We fighting this war for ourselves, you know. Uh, for for African freedom, so so yeah, yeah, it's very 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 interesting. And, you know, I know we're not. I, I do just want to give a nod to some of the Africans before, because before that period, the, the the vast majority of Africans ever to take up uh, uh, weapons were, uh, were were they took up weapons against the U.S. So uh, you had a various of regiments. The most notable is the Ethiopian regiment. In the the Revolutionary War, and then the Battle of eighteen twelve, it was actually uh, African people uh, who burnt down the White House in the in, in the War of eighteen twelve, mm-hmm. uh, right. which is which is where the national anthem comes from. It's all about 
you know, or whatever, the Star Spangled Banner. Uh, it's, it's, it's all about, um, you know, getting revenge upon the Africans who uh, were a part of the battle of, um, of Baltimore, the siege of Baltimore and, 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 and the burning of the White House and stuff like that. Wow. Well, also, I've read that Africans were used as spies right. in the Civil War. Right, Harry Tubman. Can you say something about that? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, well because, you know, um, uh, uh, Africans knew the South. Uh, Africans had a, a political network already um, uh, to move throughout the South a variety of different ways. It, the formal network we know is called the um, Underground Railroad, but that's only uh, one aspect of this uh, sort of um, uh, insurgent uh, 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 network of you know African insurgency that 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 took place down south. But nevertheless, yeah, um, you had uh, I think the most notable of those uh, spies uh, that were uh, employed was um, uh, Harriet Tubman. Um, yes, talk about. Harriet Tubman's raid that very few people really know about. Right, right, right. It was uh, the uh, the the uh, Combahee uh, River campaign, uh, in which uh, she had uh, liberated uh, seven hundred uh, African people. Most of the numbers, actually, that she you know when people say she liberated how many people and stuff, you know, it, a lot of that comes from uh, the Combahee River campaign. Uh, in which uh, in the Sea Islands of Georgia and South Carolina, uh, uh, she was a part of this uh, campaign to go out there. Because uh, if I'm correct, what happened was that, you know, they had all these land, all these mines and water and things like that. And um, and like we said, you know, the, tactically, uh, the, the Confederacy was in a better position than the Union uh, until... Um, you know, uh, uh, African genius uh, was was put to work uh, for the um, uh, effort uh, taking place there. But I mean, I think I don't know if I, I clearly said it, but I do think we have to clearly underscore that Africans were fighting a war against slavery. Uh, mm -hmm. the, 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 the Union military, the Republican Party was always fighting a war for the um, redemption of the, mm -hmm. and, and the reconciliation of, 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 of the uh, settler colonial nation, you know, of, of, yes. of, both, of both political parties. You know, we make it clear that there's only one party and it's actually a, 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 um, a white nationalist party with the two wings to it. But I mean, the truth is that like, it, that's the actual truth, right? Is that, is the fact that like, at the beginning of the United States, there literally was only one party. I think it was called the Democratic Republican Party, and mm -hmm. and and you know there were schisms that broke into two different wings, uh, which had taken different names at different times and stuff like that. But 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 there was always only interest to ever be you know one ruling class within the U.S. and it was a it was a, a settler colonial uh, a ruling class, yeah. Yes, yes, that is so, that is really true. And just about um, back for a minute to what Harriet Tubman did 
I've read that she liberated about 700. Could you just say African people during, during that time? Can you, could you say a little bit more about that when you talked about those raids? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 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 So, 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 so there's the Kumbahi river campaign, uh, in which if I'm correct, uh, she was even commissioned as, as an officer uh, for the U.S. Uh, military, and and they had um, a, a series of, of of raids against um, you know some slave plantations down uh, in the uh, Sea Islands um, of Georgia. I mean, I just find it a significant and variety of different reasons. First and foremost, because. You know, Harriet Tubman herself was a materialist, right? There's an excellent article comparing Harriet Tubman to Sojourner Truth, who was an idealist who uh, ha- has been used to uh, represent, you know, an intersectionality framework because of the, you know, um, ain't I a woman speech and things like that. But, uh, you know, Harriet Tubman, was a materialist. Harry Tubman believed in armed struggle. Harry Tubman uh, b- believed in uh, um, African self-reliance, and 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 yeah. Um, uh, so 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 her uh, campaign, her uh, leadership. It was a leadership. It wasn't. You know, she led this campaign uh, to 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 go and 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 and, and liberate the Africans. Uh, from those uh, plantations uh, down there in the Sea Islands. Wow, and and I think that even in um, in the chapter from Du Bois on, on the general strike, the that he says that like at at one point two thousand Africans left plantations and went north right at the beginning of the Civil War, like in a very short period, like within a week or something. And, um, yeah, just this, that the, the, the system itself of chattel slavery as it had worked, as he says, very, very quickly became, um, it became clear to everyone that, that that system could no longer stand because it was never going to go back to the way it was, regardless of who won the war. That's a point that, that I remember reading in that chapter. Right, right, right. Two thousand immediately, like permanently, permanently destroyed the stability of of the system of chattel slavery, of colonialism as it existed for African people in the U.S. Right, two thousand immediately, and I think as many as at least two hundred and fifty thousand eventually. Uh, left and like I said once again, if you yes. take two hundred and fifty thousand and you multiply that times five hundred, you're looking at a hundred million dollars of eighteen hundred. It's eighteen sixty money. You're not talking about you know a hundred million nowadays, which is a lot of money. You so you're talking about into the tens, if not hundreds of 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 of, of, mi- of billions. Yes. Of, of this is Africans' understanding. Uh, um, uh, the colonial contradiction, freeing themselves, but also uh, understanding what needs to be done uh, at a moment of of, of crisis. Um, uh, yeah, with, with, without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, I just think about this. And the only thing that we really lacked at that time was was a, a revolutionary party to to to, to really um, uh, take us uh, to 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 the to, to, to the ultimate freedom, uh, which is the 
um, uh, destruction of colonial capitalism. But, 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 but it surely was, was, a, and, and, you know, that revolutionary party was, was, um, destroyed with the colonial assault on Haiti, of course, but nevertheless, uh, you know, it, it, like you said, it, it completely uh, changed, uh, the course of uh, U.S. history. You know, you get a lot of people try to say things, you know, and then you get a lot of apologists who try to make it seem like there was some sort of labor shift that would have happened that would have made slavery, uh, you know, unreliable. It just, it just doesn't make sense because, uh, we know that the enslavement of African people, uh, was the political base of colonial cap at the political base of colonial capitalism, but it also informed the superstructure, the way in which white people saw themselves in relationship to African people. So, so it within the, so it was never just some sort of labor system or, or say, which is why, you know, for example, I, I've, I've taken aim at this thing called the 1619 project, which is sort of, Kind of promote some some long mis uh, misrepresentations about the colonial enslavement of African people. Well, yeah, and I I think that I mean this has really been a great discussion. I really really appreciate it, and I think we're going to have to you know stop here. But I do want to ask you as the last thing again if you can can say um, just again that as as Chairman O'Malley Shatella has laid out in the theory of African internationalism, this whole question of primitive accumulation of capital being African human beings themselves and, you know, just what the chairman means when, when he's saying that this, the pedestal upon which this system and all white people rest is the enslavement of African people and the genocide of the indigenous people and theft of their land and colonialism around the world. If you could just sum that up really quickly in terms of, you know, in, in terms of the situation in particular. Uhuru, yeah, thanks for that. And, you know, um, I remember when I joined the party, I was classified by President Kalambayi as a person who was recruited uh, by the chairman. And uh, what she means is, you know, me being an academic and, you know, uh, uh, I remember when uh, must have been eight years ago or so when I had bought uh, an uneasy equilibrium, you know, and 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 reading the writings of the chairman. But I, I and I remember uh, reading about the idea of primitive accumulation, where chairman says Africans. Uh, our primitive accumulation, he says, what Marx termed primitive accumulation was, in fact, the deadly European assault on Africa, North and South America and Australia, and the extinction and near decimation of whole peoples. It was the brutal rape of much of Asia and the Middle East and the numerous internecine wars between European states battling for control of the slave trade and the colonies. It was the resultant growth in wealth that overturned European feudalism and ushered uh, forth capitalism and um, European the European nation. Now, the thing is that uh, uh, too often people talk about 
just you know the labor that Africans are doing. But this lets us understand that it's Africans themselves, their own bodies, their own. Uh, we know that the the the, the, the pivotal law to actually underscore uh, the, the 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 legality of slavery was to suggest that a person was a slave. Uh, by birth, you know, uh, 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 if your mom was a slave, you were a slave, which legalized so many other things as well, such as like we talked about already, the sexual assault, the rape of African women and things like that. So, so with the general strike, what we know is Africans freeing themselves, right? Uh, uh, separating themselves from uh, the plantation uh, is the greatest act. Uh, of 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 revolution, uh, well, yeah, oh, well, you know, killing slave owners is the greatest act of revolution. But uh, the an an initial act of of that. But the other thing that I would also like to add to that is that it's the enslaved Africans of the world who are the only true proletariat of the world. I mean, the, you know, we talk about uh, the. Rela- mm-hmm. uh, uh, relations of production that existed. Africans lived together. They worked together. They had a common consciousness. Um, uh, uh, they had a clear understanding of a distinction between them and the ruling class. Uh, and we understand it being, you know, colonial at its basis. Something through which even the enslaved, Af- even the the freed and free Africans. Uh, 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 could not escape. If the film is useful for anything, 12 Years a Slave kind of shows that, where like, you know, you have this guy who supposedly, he was born free, his dad was freed, uh, um, but 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 he has to, you know, take these odd jobs just to uh, supply for his family, and, and you have to walk around with a pass, you know, or something like that, which could easily be taken from you, and you'd be knocked over the head and sent into slavery. So, so, so I do think that um uh, uh i mean this is the, the this is the 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 central um uh, uh i mean th- this th- this is central to african internationalist theory but also it's really not just african internationalist theory african internationalism is a is a theory of of practice so it's, it's, it's it makes things clear but also clearly shows us what we need to do to 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 free ourselves and and that's hopefully I articulated, uh, you know, what Af- uh, what primitive accumulation is in relationship to African internationalism, but also uh, the fact that, like I said, Africans uh, were uh, or Africans are uh, primitive accumulation. Uh, the the sort of the, the 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 startup capital. Everybody talks about startup capital, right? The startup capital um, uh, uh, that produced uh, colonial capitalism. Wow. Well, this has been a really great discussion. I want to thank you so much, Dr. Matsunala Odom, for being on this program today and talking to us about the truth about the Civil War and the leadership of the African working class in, in that situation. And um, it's, you know, just really want to thank you for coming on and just tell people how they could find out more about the African People's Socialist Party. Oh, 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 yeah. So to learn about the African People's Socialist Party, you can go to APSPUhuru.org. I'd also Burning Spear TV, the YouTube channel, uh, and uh, be tuned in to all of our live uh, 
webinars, presentations, the weekly Sunday studies, O'Malley taught me. Uh, this is, uh, you know, I've got many, many years worth of uh, learning, but my true education uh, really uh, began uh, uh, as a student of uh, O'Malley Ashitella. Uhuru, uhuru. Well, thank you, and and uhuru. Yes, I wanna I wanna thank uh, you so much as well, Dr. Matsumela Odom, uh, visiting assistant professor of Africana Studies at the University of San Diego, and member of the African People's Socialist Party. We really appreciate your presence on Reparations in Action today, giving us an African internationalist analysis of the U.S. Civil War through the point of view of the enslaved African working class. Thank you. And I also want to thank you, Chairwoman Penny Hess uh, of the African People's Solidarity Committee and author of Overturning the Culture of Violence for that fascinating interview. We hope to welcome both of you back on the show soon. And thank you to everyone who is tuned in to White Lies Shattered today. We'll be back soon. Uhuru. You're listening to Reparations in Action. This has been an episode of Reparations in Action, the White Lies Shattered series, a biased podcast of white solidarity with black power. My name is Jamie Simpson. This episode was engineered by Marcel Marius, who also composed our theme music. The show is researched and produced by Penny Hess, Jesse Neville, and Lisa Watson from the Black Power 96.3 FM studio in St. Petersburg, Florida. A shout out to Akile Anayi and DJ Eddie Maltzby, as well as the entire Reparations in Action team, Sandra Forrest, Johan Bedingfield, Amanda Carlozzi, Kyle Weiss, Marissa Ricchetti, Ali Aiello, Alana Woods, Declan Keller, Hallie Murray, and Sarah Ritterspock. If you liked what you heard today, you can go to Apple Podcasts and rate this podcast. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, please email them to us at ria at blackpower96.org. Special thanks to the African People's Socialist Party's Chairman Omali Yeshitela, without whose leadership and theory of African internationalism, none of the understandings presented on reparations in action would be possible. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week. <laughs>